back on it's been what like since last friday since we've done one of these shows now for good reasons there's mlk day and then we had a retreat out here at freightways a lot of new people since we've been uh, mostly remote you know a lot of us here like we just know each other on the tv team so it was great to see like how much this company has grown and how many people i didn't recognize even from our last event f3 i even took some video of some of the uh, festivities going on can you roll the tape <laughs> Now, that wasn't really our party, but we did have a great time. You know, it's funny, too. So Rooster's on the map now. We went back to Freight Alley, was taking everyone out there to tour. And then there was this great group of folks from Manco over there. And straight up, they're like, that's Rooster. I was like, man, how do you know Rooster? She's, turns out she's long time. Uh, well, not long time. It's only been around less than a year, but she's been reading back the truck up since the beginning, said she was a big fan. So really cool. Nice to have everyone out here in town. On today's show, though, we got a ton. So Kodiak Robotics, brand new CEO, is fresh off USA Truck. It's James Reed. I don't know if you saw the press release yesterday. It's big news. I want to learn from him a couple of things. One of them is how he became the first C-suite trucking carrier CEO to join an autonomous company and why he's going along for that journey. Uh, like I said, we haven't talked in a week, so we got to talk trucking markets today too. I have a couple great folks for you here to do it. I got Donnie uh, Gilbert here. It's a Freightways market expert in front of our big board. He's going to go through some of our sonar supercomputer, show you what's happening in the world of rates, volumes, and rejections. We also have Tom Albrecht from Alliance Partners. Now, he was actually at our retreat. We had this great session here. We were able to get feedback from him on what he thinks about our content and our interactions and how we look to other people. But he's going to be on the show talking too about when he sees the freight slump stopping. Tom is one of the guys who helped advise us when we saw the freight slump coming. So maybe he knows where the other end of that thing is. We also have Project K9 Hero today, too. We got Jason Johnson, our CEO, and a lovely dog out of them. Uh, good news, bad news, and a ton of other stuff. So let's tip the band, and we will get into it. Did you know that AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month? So if your business needs more information about air and ocean trends, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance. You can go get all of that over in their easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download. The next edition, it came out December 7th, so um, they may even have a new one up there now. Go to AITWorldwide.com and get deep into those. But right now, I'd like to welcome market expert Donnie Gilbert onto the show. Donnie, thanks for coming over. We need to change the name of your show, I think, and oh, yeah. go with the Nooner with Dooner. Dooner with Dooner. Well, the Nooner with Dooner, right? That's, all right, all right, Dooner. Special effect. <laughs> So, Donnie, what you know, um, little background on Donnie. So, not only is he a trucking market expert over here, but he is also a uh, liquor purveyor. Are you not, Donnie? I am. What's uh, going on in the world of liquor? People drinking more when the freight market's down. Does is there ever any correlation between a sonar chart and alcohol consumption? You know, we actually used to have the price of alcohol in our sonar charts back in the day, Dooner, but we had to end up taking them out. But we used to have the price of vodka, the average price of vodka, and bourbons. But 
Uh, yes and no. So in the world of in the world of whiskey, uh, when you see freight markets down, which normally means that we're in some type of recession, uh, they say liquor stores are recession proof. That's not true. But instead of uh, you know spending that spending the money on the high dollar bourbons, they may drop back to a an Evan Williams, something just a, a little bit more, a, a lot cheaper, basically. Well, so, Donnie, speaking of a retreat, one of the things that came up, and Craig Fuller, our founder and CEO, did a whole session on was the waterfall theory of freight. Now, anybody who operates within Sonar, writes articles here, is very familiar with this, but not everyone in the audience may be. We usually start with the waterfall theory of freight when we're talking about volumes. Why is that? Why are volumes so important, and what is going on with them, Donnie? All right, so volumes in our Sono charts represent the demand side. Demand is the shippers. What capacity do shippers need? That's the demand. And supply, supply is the number of trucks that are out there in the market. So when we do our supply versus demand, we're looking at what are the shippers' needs and how many trucks are in those markets. Now, when the supply of the trucks are high, that means there's plenty of trucks for those shippers. That normally presses rates down. When supply tightens up and the demand or the demand grows and trucks are getting scarce in those markets, well, that's going to push the rates up. So that's how we look at supply and demand. Now, we monitor the volumes because change in volumes can show us that there might be a change in demand for those trucks. And that's what we're looking at here. So I've got a seasonality chart brought up here, guys. And this is I'm looking at this year, which is this little bitty blue line right here because we're just starting in to January compared to the three previous years. If you look at these charts, these numbers are all over this board because we've had three different Three very different years in the past. We came off a bust year into a year that started COVID with high demand. And then, of course, coming into what we have right now, uh, which could be another uh, bust year. <clears throat> so looking at right here, uh, we have currently dropped down to just below 10,000. We indexed this uh, chart dooner. Uh, we indexed it at 10,000 back in uh, March of 2018. And... It's important that we really want to see the, the changes that go on in this math to tell us. Is demand increasing? Is demand decreasing? How is it compared to previous years? What were pricing like in previous so, years? Donnie, what does it say right now? How does it compare to previous years? What are we looking at in terms of We volume? just dropped below 10,000. 10,000 is a... That baseline? Is that like the Mendoza line? That's, that's where we baselined it at. And 10,000 or above is thumbs up. Below 10,000 is thumbs down. So we are just getting into an area right now. Now it is first quarter. We typically see volumes or the, the demand for trucks fall off during the first quarter. And so right now we're kind of getting into that thumbs down. When, when we get into this uh, lack of demand for trucks, rates start to go down, which we'll see that a little bit later on. And it makes a lot of these trucking companies smaller. Now, I'm always out for the little guy. And these little guys, sometimes they cannot operate when the rates are so low. So we might see over the next six months, a lot of these smaller guys um, either, um, a lot Watch of them are bankrupt. They're just going to be out of business because they're not able to, to, to make enough money, number one, to pay for the trucks, but support their families. So Donnie, if volumes are that low, then it would seem to follow that this we're going to see pretty low numbers on this next chart. What we're going to look at next over here is the outbound tender reject index. And that quite simply is what? A digital load tendered to a, uh, from a shipper tendered to a carrier that they reject, yes. right? For whatever reason, they can get better money on the spot market or they don't have a truck, one or the two. Right. So what happens is, and this is where that waterfall process comes in, shippers send these loads to their carriers that they've uh, signed agreements with contracted rates. 
Those carriers either accept them or decline them. Now, a lot of that is based on what's going on in the spot market, which is on-demand capacity. So if you can go to the spot market and get a better rate, let's say spot market rates are really high, than you can for your contracted rates, then you're going to want to book that spot and you're going to decline some of your customer freight. So we're going to see rejection rates go up when spot market rates are higher. When spot market rates take a downturn and start going down, they'll fall back on their contracted rates, which also include a fuel surcharge. I need to keep that in mind as well. They're getting paid a little bit for fuel for every mile. So currently right now, Again, I brought up a seasonality map. We're this blue line way down here. We are below 4%. And you see these other lines that are way up here in previous years? Yeah. Well, when demand eases, yes, uh, spot rates will go down. Yes, rejection rates will go down. But we're in historic lows for this time of year. 3% looks, that's, what is it, 3.88%? That looks horrible. And there's a couple of different reasons, though. I talked about the waterfall process. You know, normally they'll, they'll give their carriers the, the cheapest one the opportunity first. If they decline, it'll go to the second carrier. If they decline, it'll go to the third carrier, which shows the price is going up. Well, right now, since demand is so low and spot rates are going down and contractor rates are so high, these big carriers are on auto accept. They're just taking everything. But there's now two reasons, Dooner, that this is happening, not just one. I talked about how, how spot rates affect this. Well, now we're in a whole different world with the cost of diesel fuel. <clears throat> and since those carriers have contracted rates and contracts for fuel surcharge, when the price of diesel fuel goes up, they get paid more on their contracted rates to cover, protect them from high diesel fuel rates. So... Since diesel fuel is at 465, 470 a gallon, a lot of these carriers are now going to be accepting, auto accepting all these um, contracted loads because number one, demand is decreasing, and two, diesel fuel is so high, they can actually make more money on their contracted rates. If spot rates went up 70, 80 cents a mile right now, they'll probably still stick where they're contracted rates because there's that much of a gap, and it's that important for them to get that money for their diesel fuel. So now let's look at rates. So these two things converge to probably not a great outlook if you're that small carrier that you're talking about. Show up this next chart over here. It's the National Truckload Index, and that includes fuel, does it not, Donnie? This does include fuel. So right now, this rate, 260, is about the same rate as the contracted rates. They're very close. I think they're 262 on average for dry van. These include fuel. The 262 for contract, you're getting about 70 cents more per mile when you include that fuel surcharge. So there is a huge gap right now between contracted rates and spot rates. And you can see right now, spot rates are headed down. Uh, in the blue line, this is the daily, what happens every day. The red line is a seven-day rolling average. So right now, the seven-day rolling average is at $2.60 per mile. And you can tell it's been going down throughout the month of January. Oh, nice. We have, a, we have a view of that, too. Can you guys move on to the seven-day rolling average here so well, the viewers at home can understand what Donnie's talking about? Now, what am I looking at here? All I see is a bunch of color, colored lines. So here we have my seven-day rolling average in blue, and I've taken the spot rates or the, the contracted rates in red or dry van average, yeah. and in green here, these are the reefer average for, for contracted rates right now. So dry van is 263, so it's 30, you know, um, three cents higher than the uh, NTI currently right now. And reefer is at 230, which is actually 30% below. But again, that does not include fuel. So if a reefer uh, 
cuts a contract at 230, then they're still getting about 60, 70 cents per mile. And they're going to be still well above our, our, um, 260 average for our average spot rate. But Dooner, yes. the reason I brought this map up is everybody's wondering about the market's correcting itself. What's normal? Well, are we getting back to normal? And there's a few concerns I have. I want to go back here, 2018, 2019. The green line, reefer, average contracted rate, is about 20, 25 cents a mile above the red line, which is your drive-in. Mm. Reefer equipment dooner is more expensive. You've got a cooler on the trailer. You've got insulated walls. You've got aluminum floors. They're more expensive to operate. Therefore, you should pay them more to operate when you're pulling your freight. Normally, it's about 25, 30 cents per mile. Well, this line right here, when this blue line takes off and goes way up, this is COVID. This is a high demand taking off for dry van, which pushed the red line up, which is contracted rates for dry van. So it pulled drive-in up really high and above the reefer by several cents per mile. Now, as we flip over here to where we are now, the red line drive-in is still above the reefer by about 30 cents. Hmm. So are we, are we in a normal market right now? I don't believe so. I mean, when, when is the freight market ever normal as, um, as, Very true. as the guys at Convoy have told me numerous times? But yeah, you know, I, I, my, my takeaway is to your point right there, at least we're starting to see reefer normalize a little bit. I mean, if we're talking about spreads, the spread between that drive-in and the reefer does seem to be closer than it's, yeah. it's been in a while. But Donnie, before I let you go, do you have a prediction? I know I'm going to be talking to Tom in a little bit about when he thinks we're getting out of this freight slump. When is your prediction that we're out of this freight slump? The nothing is even going to start till probably at least March. Until at least March. Yeah, because right. January and February, we're going to see less volumes. We're going to see from the beginning of January to the end of January, we're going to see volumes decline. We might see a little bit of a pickup from beginning of February to the end of February, but probably back down some in March. There's nothing going on right now that's going to increase the demand for trucks. Right. Once we get to the springtime and close to that summer and some produce season and the, the spring takeoff, that's going to be our, our first key indicator of what the markets are going to do or how bad All right, they're really Don, going Donnie, to be. You've, you've said enough. TV team, clip that. He has made his prediction. It's going to be uh, sometime in March. We'll start seeing those green shoots, and uh, we'll hold it to it. Donnie, I'll bring you back in March so you can celebrate if you're right or wrong, <laughs> and I do hope you're right for all those carriers out there that, are, uh, that really need it. It is a bad spread, as you just uh, so eloquently told us. Take care, Donnie. Thank you for your time. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you, sir. All right. Meanwhile... Take a look at this. I'm trying to teach Randy. So I have a black lab puppy. Those of you who follow the show or on social media have probably seen it. Um, I've been trying to teach him to do some agility tricks. We haven't gotten onto this stage yet where we can do snowboards like this cat, but it's starting to inspire me. We actually have a uh, very well-known dog trainer here in a little while. He works with dogs, Jason Johnson. I wonder if he's ever trained one of his uh, service dogs to do one of those things. But I'd love to know how. But we have something even more cool. Drop the video. That one's good. We see that cat. Um, this is a huge story. So, you know, freight's a small world. Uh, I was out in Roanoke, Virginia six, seven months ago. I was at this big golf meet with USA Truck, and it was an awesome time, and we had great conversations. And now, a company that I talk to quite a lot, especially frequently Kodiak, the first Major C-suite executive from a trucking company has joined an autonomous company. He's here with us right now. It's James Reed, the COO over at Kodiak Robotics. James, wow, I like you in red. 
Dooner. It's good to see you again. I had kind of forgotten about our golf experience, but what a fun time that was. And you guys came dressed to the nines. That's for sure. That was a good time. You, you, everyone did. That was great. They had the golf course. It was a beautiful day. You couldn't have asked for something better. And you know, when I was out on the golf course, you see a lot of clear skies. You play the wind. You made a play out here. USA Truck had some big news last year. Kodiak, big growing company, great leadership with Don over there. And you have made this move over here. How did this all come about? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. You know, as the CEO at USA Truck, I spent a little bit of my time thinking, obviously, about the future, thinking about all kinds of topics, but especially autonomy. And in that process, I got to know a lot of the autonomy players. And, you know, I became a pretty big advocate for autonomy after visiting um, the PACCAR Innovation Lab out in the Bay Area several years ago. And so it just kind of burgeoned over time. And so when we sold the company, I get this call uh, from Kodiak saying, hey, we'd love to talk to you. And I talked to Don. And, you know, there's this whole landscape. And, and, and like I said, I'm a believer in autonomy. Um, but I also, you know, I'm a guy that spent half of my career in technology. I mean, I was at Intel and EMC and T-Mobile and all these companies. And so I kind of have a, a different view of the world. And, you know, I think Kodiak has a really differentiated approach to autonomy when compared to others. And in that, you know, we don't rely on HD mapping the way some of our other competitors do. We have this really cool scalable technology architecture called sparse mapping. And then, you know, our sensor suite, we've been unapologetic and consistent about saying that our sensor suite will move fully to the mirrors. And I think that is a differentiated, scalable approach to the market. So when they called and said, hey, would you like to come work with us? Um, I thought this is a company that's got a differentiated hardware approach and they've got a differentiated software architecture. And in technology, Dooner, differentiation, you know, oftentimes, you know, helps uh, predict who the winners are going to be. So I was just a big believer in what Kodiak was doing because it's a little bit different than the other way, uh, the way others are approaching it. You know, I have been in a few autonomous trucks now. So like you, I know it's not just a science experiment or something. I've actually seen this stuff in action. I've seen the mapping. And um, I mean, for those of you who are excited, the exciting thing is that it's an autonomous truck. The riding in it is like deathly boring as it should be because it's, it's all about safety, right? I mean, they're super polite drivers. But I was reading Alan Article's article where he interviewed you and you mentioned that innovation lab you went to and it got me curious. What did you see at that lab that was so compelling that really made you go, this is the future and it's not far away. Yeah. So that was, you know, four or five years ago. And, you know, I, I think I was just kind of blissfully unaware of what was going on in autonomy. If you really step back and think about it, most of us have some element of autonomy in our vehicles. We have adapted cruise control. We have lane departure systems. We have forward collision mitigation. And of course, many of the fleets that would be listening to your show, um, they have those same features on their trucks. And so autonomy is already you know, in our day-to-day -day operations. And so the, the first point is I had this kind of blunt realization that, oh my gosh, it's already kind of here. And then I just saw, and it was all virtual at that time, you know, we, we weren't riding in trucks yet. Um, but I saw the approach. I saw the logic. I got an understanding from their engineers about how it could work. Um, got this really cool interaction with their LIDAR technology and um, came to understand, oh my gosh, like this is upon us. I even went so far, Dinner, I brought out the Packard guys to meet with my board. We spent a whole board meeting talking about autonomy. And then, you know, again, you know, th that's what kind of awoke me to the possibilities.
Well, I mean, I find it interesting you're, you're hiring because you bring so much perspective being with USA Truck. You know what carriers, like what the negs are, what, the, what their concerns are about this, what their needs are, what they want to see in the technology. With that experience, what is sort of your outlook for AV? What, what do you tell the team at Kodiak? This is what carriers need. This is what my former employer would want, and this is what the other carriers would need. Yeah, for sure. There's there's at least two main points that I'd like to make about that. The first one, you already said it in your opening comments, is safety. Um, I kind of expected to to find almost a fraternity-like environment with a bunch of really smart PhDs. And we do have a lot of really smart PhDs working on this. But what blew me away was how universally focused the team is on safety. I mean, Dooner, you know the industry. Um, and I've sat through lots and lots of safety meetings, and, and, and I think that's critically important to any functioning operation. But at Kodiak, when we um, observe even a simulated issue, we, 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 we don't wreck the trucks, right? But when we simulate that there might have been a collision, it's an all-hands-on-deck experience, and you get a, literally a committee of people you know, resolving those issues, uh, understanding them inside and out, and really, I, I don't even know how to describe it, fully committed uh, to making sure that the safety case is above all the most important thing. The second point I would make, and this is where I think Kodiak has a different approach and why I think they asked me to come to the party, is Kodiak understands that this can't just be a science experiment with no commercial application. And so what we're doing, and we think we're at the forefront of this in the industry, is we're really building out the business case and the execution steps to be able to integrate this into an operation. If you really think about what autonomy means, you've got you know, three key components. You've got the truck hardware, you've got the software, the virtual driver, and then you have the business model. We are really spending a lot of time on the business model. So that's what I talk about a lot. So how do you see this impacting the industry and um, any sort of idea how long or short that timeline may be? Yeah, it's really interesting. If you, you know, talk to any of our co-travelers, everybody's kind of on the same uh, time frame. I think, you know, really by the end of 2024 or into 2025 sometime, we should expect to see, you know, commercially viable driver out autonomous vehicles on the road. So that's kind of the time frame. What's the impact to the industry? I'm probably a little more realistic about this than some other observers. I mean, we can argue about the numbers, but I, I, round numbers, there's about 4 million class eight trucks on the road. You know, there's about 200,000 of those made each year. It's a little higher than that, but I like to round down because to make the math easier, I mean, it would literally take 20 years of every single truck being produced to be autonomous to, you know, to, to change the world. Right. So I don't think people should think it's going to change the world overnight. It's going to be applied in very specific applications where it has the highest value, uh, to the trucking company and to the, you know, the end customer that's shipping the freight ultimately, um, and then the impact to the drivers, I, we probably don't have time to really explore this, but one of the things that was most compelling to me about Kodiak is I started to understand that where this has the most application is in that kind of longer, what the company's calling middle mile, but truckers might call it, you know, the traditional over the road, long haul section of trucking. It will even out the supply chain, which should move driver jobs more to the, the, the inbound and outbound elements of the freight. And give them jobs that are at home nightly and, and really, you know how hard it is to recruit drivers. It really should improve the quality of experience for drivers. So those are a few of the areas that I think it's going to impact and the timeline that I think it will impact.
You know what surprised me when I really started to investigate this space, and especially last year when I started to actually get to to touch trucks, which is the best part of it, was that I think when a lot of people think about this, and I know I've mentioned this before, but they kind of bundle AV and EV. But if you talk to the people making these technologies right now, the ones in EV, a lot of them realize that they're solving for shorter mile due to range and those kind of things. Well, the AV ones, their long view is, is that middle mile, like you just mentioned. They're like, the real value in this is going long distance and not having that drive driver in the cab for that big highway. But I love what you said too, that like it's enhancements, not absolutes. Like it's not like overnight a switch goes on and everything is autonomous. This is a technology that's developing along the way. So with that in mind, what is like first on your desk? What are you going to jump into now that you're, uh, now that you got the uniform and you're in the house? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Let me just address the, the EVs things really quickly. You know, um, EV and autonomy will be inextricably linked because of, you know, I'm going to use a big term that investors use, but because of the ESG elements of that investors care about environmental, social and governance issues. And, and, you know, we kind of play in that space, but you're exactly right in your point about how they're really going to come to market. You know, what's, what I'm going to focus on immediately and what I have focused on with the team is how to kind of perfect the business model. So we're working with a number of existing customers. Some we've announced, some we haven't announced, uh, to really make 2020 through the year where we are able to launch um, a best-in-breed and first-in-breed uh, truck port operation. So that's a high priority for us. Obviously, you hear this term, and it means something different for everybody, but you know, Kodiak intends to be feature complete in 2023, which means beyond that, we will be in a high-intensity validation effort to make sure this works the way it's supposed to and supports the safety case. And then we're just going to continue to deepen the relationships with our customers, even as we focus most importantly on bolstering the, fa the safety case. Kodiak will not go to market with this unless we have the safest pro product possible. Well, you know, I think Don and you have are, are make an incredible team. It's amazing to see you over there. I know we already had a solid team to begin with, so you are that much stronger. It's interesting. I talked to a gentleman who covers the space deeply named Grayson Brulte uh, about a week or two ago, and he was saying that the biggest thing that will be happening in the near future in this space is consolidation. And you know what? If I was betting, I would say that you guys are going to be on the side that's sucking things up. I like what I hear. I'm going to let you get back to work. But in the meantime, people want to learn more about Kodiak. Where do I send them to? Yeah. So you can send them to our social media. You can send them uh, to our website and you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, I don't mind giving my email. It's j.read at Kodiak.ai. Uh, we're really glad to engage with anybody that has questions, especially drivers. Uh, it's, it's what drew me to the industry and just really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, Dooner. Thank you. Take care and good luck. Wow. Congratulations. Big news in that space. Like we've been talking about, it's why I even got deeper into it last year. I, we know the big moves are happening now. We know where the fleet interest is starting to get. And, you know, whether you like autonomy, you support autonomy, you're curious about autonomy, it's happening one way or the other. And we're going to cover it over here and, and bring you those changes. But something that is impacting a lot of you, we touched that with Donnie, right? We were talking about these rates. We were talking about these volumes. You have all been getting crushed out there by this freight slump that's carried through most of 2020. 22. Well, now I have the honor of bringing a gentleman on the show, Tom Albert, Chief Finance Officer, Chief Revenue Officer over at Reliance Partners. I just saw him the other day. He was educating our team on sort of how he views us before today, where he'll tell us how he views the market. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, one thing Tom was happy to remind us when he was on stage is that he is one of the people who helped advise Craig Fuller when he was going through all that data and initially talking about what was going on in the market and that freight some Tom, thanks so much. It's good to see you again. Uh oh, we got Tom on mute. Can we unmute Tom?
Oh, oh, there you go. No, you're good now. Okay, sounds good. Uh, no, great to be with you, Dooner. Uh, it was a great event you had the other day as well. No, it, you know, it, and, and thank you so much. No one has to take their time to come down to like the, the corporate retreat like that and like really share with the team, but it is so beneficial. It is so helpful. And, um, and it's, it's great to speak with you, but I wish it was on slightly better terms. I wish we were talking about like, man, when is this bull freight market just going to end? We're making so much money here. Fortunately, we're not in that reality anymore. What is the reality as you see it right now? I think it's going to be a tough year for trucking, uh, even though volumes at some point will pick up a little bit sequentially due to seasonality. Uh, with what's happening uh, first in the fourth quarter, bid season here in the first quarter and what carries into the second quarter, rates are going to be pummeled. So even as volumes pick up a little bit seasonally, it's not going to be very fun from a profit perspective. I really think any discussions about a true recovery, which includes volumes and the direction of uh, freight rates and profits headed back up will be more like 2024. Wow. Okay. So at the beginning of the show, Donnie was looking at some charts and he said, look, if you want to see green shoots or any hope, it's going to be in March. And, you know, Craig Fuller has said something. He said, you know, in springtime, yep. I think we're just going to see people, we're going to see recovery. We're going to see people or, you know, they want to come out of the bear cave and they want to spend, but you seem a little bit, maybe a little bit more bearish on the market. I do. I do. Uh, the rates, the contract rates uh, are going to be locked in much lower. Yes, the spot market will recover a little bit. There's some arbitrage going on between shippers and uh, the marketplace. But uh, the bid season is brutal right now. And, uh, you know, that's what folks are going to have to live with. Freight always picks up a little bit in March and June and some sort of a pickup in the last couple months of the year. Uh the reason I don't put a lot of stock in January is over the last 15 years, uh, shipping patterns have changed a lot. So um, January used to be unequivocally the worst freight month in the calendar year. But about 15 years ago, February became that. There's two primary drivers in that. First is with the popularity of gift cards, about 70% of those are redeemed in the first month after receipt. So retailers and other merchants, they want to make sure they've got some inventory in January. That's helped uh, January feel better over the last decade and a half. Secondly, is with uh, our strong import economy and the Chinese New Year being so prevalent in February, extra orders in January. So for me, the real test will be, I, I expect February to uh, lighten up versus maybe a miniature feel good in January. Uh, but March, uh, yeah, March will be better than either January or February, but it's just not going to be a very fun year. And truckers need to be a little bit more realistic about it. Wow. So, OK, if you're advising the truckers out, because, you know, and here's the thing, like bad, the, the point of the bad news. And this came up a lot of times last yeah. year when the call was made about the market is they were like, oh, it's irresponsible to say this. And we're like, no, it's irresponsible not to warn people of this. So they're not going out and buying incredibly expensive equipment on notes right. that they can't afford and dealing it, dealing with it when the money recedes. And look, never, it's like trying to sell houses. Don't go out there trying to time the market. You said it perfectly. You know, we used to rely on seasonality very much, especially in ocean freight where nothing changed. But seasonality has been dead. I mean, Donnie had the charts up earlier. They're all different over the past three or four years. So let me ask you, what are the signs? Like, what is the sign right now that you're seeing other than those gift cards, what is the sign that we need to see to maybe be encouraged that we're coming out of a freight slump? Well, so there's freight that's created from a lot of different buckets. So um, 
I will mention that I do think that the inventory situation in the retail and CPG world, we'll probably see the first signs of positivity that this uh, inventory correction is over as soon as March or April. I don't even think it's going to be mid-year. But on the negative side, industrial production, the fourth quarter number just came out two days ago for the first time in several years. Uh, It went negative. It declined at an annual rate of 1.7%. Keep in mind from the second quarter of 2021 through the second quarter of 2022, IP grew about 5%. So it's gone negative as corporations revise their CapEx budgets. That's going to be a drag on freight this year. It was a huge positive this past year. CapEx grew about 15% for the S&P 500. Housing still is going through a sharp correction. In November, existing home sales dropped 35%. They were off 34% in December. There's a lot of freight that's created in the existing home sale market. And then on the new uh, front for new housing starts, uh, the you know building of new homes, we came in at 1.55 million last year. We're probably going to be about 1.2 to 1.3 million. It won't collapse like 08, 09, where we went from 2.1 million to 500,000, but it's still going to be down. It's going to be down 15, 16, 18% probably for new housing starts. So these other buckets of freight creation, they're going to be a drag uh, on the economy this year, industrial production, capital spending, the housing market. Uh, and then wages have trailed inflation now for 21 straight months. Credit card debt is rising. The personal savings rate was 2.4% in the latest month. It wasn't that long ago. It was 9%. So consumers have been pulling everything under the sun to keep the party going in their own household. But there's not many levers left. So, yes, retail inventories, the volatility of correcting, that should be over as soon as March or April April, and be a little bit of a stabilizing factor for motor carriers uh, hauling a lot of that types of freight, but other buckets are not going to be fun. I am glad you mentioned housing starts. Uh, Anthony Smith, our chief economist over here at Freightways, is he always harps on those. And one of the reasons why yep. is, as you mentioned, it was such a hero. It was such a bucket hero during the pandemic. It started with people wanting to get home offices and people like, we need to get houses. You saw the housing market go insane. We don't live in that reality anymore. I mean, do you th- like right. short of maybe like, do you think a, like a gas stove ban hoarders or something could really propel the market? I mean, we need something. And you're right. There's just nothing there to make this to make this happen. Um, do you do you have a, like a prediction on maybe a catalyst? I mean, you said 2024. How deep into 2024? Yeah. Well, there's still a lot of pent up demand for homes, whether that's uh, a new home or an existing home sale. One of the things to watch is from the Mortgage Bankers Association. They put out weekly statistics on mortgage applications. Um, The last couple of times where uh, interest rates corrected even just 20 or 30 basis points, mortgage apps immediately bounced. Um, There's not a real discernible trend right now, but that tells me that the slightest uh, sense that mortgage rates are topping or going to have a modest correction you'll see people get back out on the market. It's going to be a buyer's market for the first time in several years. I know we've got a fairly young workforce here at Reliance, and a lot of folks are looking to either buy their first home or kind of their second home now that they're part of a family with kids as opposed to, you know, newlyweds or what have you. So uh, that 
that, that'll be good. If you're looking to buy a home, it'll be the best market probably since uh, early 2019. Oh, wow. You know, car market might is starting to get a little bit better out there, too. And I know a lot of people, myself yeah. included, have been holding off for a couple of years. So maybe there'll be some accelerants when those stuff gets down, when people get, you know, they see what their merit raises is. Although if they don't meet inflation, that couldn't be good. You're right. There's a lot of headwinds. I wish this was a little bit more yeah. positive. You know, before I let you go, do you have. Yeah, go well, I was going to ask you, do you have a tip? Because you are, you come from the insurance perspective. Do you have a tip for the small carrier out there who needs to bear down and make it to 2024? How should they be thinking about that? Um, look at every cost that you've got, whether it be insurance, uh, whether it be the fuel uh, cooperatives that you're part of. There's some discounts that are much better than others. Uh, really talk to the freight brokers that are bringing you freight on where you can make money, uh, i.e. your own personal network, um, and uh, don't be wasteful on the road. Yeah. 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 Tom, I wish, like, again, again I wish it was more positive, but it well, is what it is. thought, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, so I, we are seeing prices correct. You alluded to uh, uh, car prices beginning to correct a little bit. Uh, dealers are willing to make deals on new vehicles. We've seen use prices of uh, automobiles correct for something like seven of the last eight months. We're seeing the median housing price has come down about $50,000 in terms of monthly uh, averages since uh, several months ago. So uh, these price corrections are healthy. They're not fun if you're trying to be a, a seller necessarily, but that'll be one of the things that maybe later in the year, I'm not saying freight's going to decline all year, but uh, you know, again, we've talked about seasonality, but it's not going to be really fun again until 2024. Wow. All right. Well, hey, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone go check out Reliance Partners. Go uh, need some Tom. Go talk to Tom if you need some prognostications about this freight yeah. market. And um, like I said to Donnie, I hope he's right. And like I say to you, I hope you're wrong and it's better a little bit sooner. But if it's not, be prepared. Tom, thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, do you remember we mentioned AIT's Global Transportation Market Report earlier in the show? Capacity and pricing trends, air, ocean, and trucking, economic insights, extra, etc. Well, what do you do once you have that useful data and analysis? You got to turn insight into action. Partner with AIT's global network of subject matter experts, and they'll design a supply chain solution tailored to your needs. Get started today over at AIT worldwide.com but now it's time to talk to a gentleman who's got the dog in him it's jason johnson the ceo over at project canine hero and as you can see he's also got a very special guest with him jason thanks for coming on the show thank you so much for having me really uh, appreciate it coming out being here this is a military working dog rosso tango 206 retired from the united states air force and he has a, a great career i'd love to tell you about and how our organization at project canine hero has really given him a second chance at life and why he's still alive today well, I, I love him, and I've heard he's, he has quite the resume. He's served a few presidents in his 13 years, and he's a, he's a lover of Kongs. I have a dog, too, and the, like a black lab. He's six months old, and he just managed to destroy those black ones. So we are on the market for like an even tougher Kong than the black one. They need like titanium. But for those who are not familiar with Project Canine Hero, let's start there. What is that? Yeah, so we're a national nonprofit. We, we take care of retired police dogs and military working dogs like Rosso here, dogs that served our country, our communities our military service, dogs who give them their all and put their lives on the lines for us, but when they get out of service and they're retired, there's no programs in place to help them. And our organization's a nonprofit that provides medical care, food, death benefit assistance, adoption, rehabilitation, and rehoming to these dogs. For example, Rosso served 
10 years in the United States Air Force. He's a patrol explosive dog. He served for President Trump and President Obama, protected the president in Japan. He served in Operation Inherent Resolve overseas, Operation Spartan Shield overseas. And when he retired with an Air Force Accommodation Medal, he had no home to go to in retirement. Not only did he have a home, he was scheduled to be euthanized due to his aggressive behavior. And he was deemed unfit for service or unfit to even be adopted. And luckily, the uh, kennel master up there at uh, Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane, Washington, got a hold of our organization. I went up there personally. I had to work with him a week. Uh, he had a lot of aggressive issues, a lot of anger issues. And, uh, you know, he's pretty good with me now. But that was over two years ago. And he's now 13 years old. And he's uh, one of our ambassadors. Uh, he can't come out in public a lot because of his aggressive behavior. As you can see, he just enjoys his Kong. But, you know, for a dog who served our, our country overseas, a dog who protected our last two presidents, it's our honor to make sure that he's taken care of in retirement, not only with medical care, but a home to live in. And we have that facility, 177 acres out here in Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga, where we make sure heroes like him are taken care of. And we're building a larger facility uh, that we're working on right now. Um, so anyone want to check that out? It's projectk9hero.org. And uh, learn how we make sure heroes like Rosso have a uh, have a place to go when when their service is done. Well, you know that's that's a really interesting point you make, and I'm not sure everyone out there thinks about it. You know, like there's therapy dogs out there, but this isn't a therapy dog. This is a service dog that part of its job is to protect high level people from very bad people. It, can, can that transition happen often? Do a lot of service dogs become um, kind of aggressive to the general public due to the nature of the type of work that they have to perform? Well, I think Rosso was always aggressive to the public. I mean, as a military working dog, he was procured because of his behavior. Mm. He was trained as a patrol dog, apprehension, uh, force protection. He guarded an Air Force base. He guarded billions and billions, not millions, billions of dollars of equipment. And to have that demeanor, uh, he, you know, he's got to be ready. He, you know, here's the thing. As a government and the military, we selected this dog on these behaviors as a, young, as a young puppy or as a dog at about one year old. And throughout his career, we enhanced him. And then when it came time for his service was done, like, oh, well, you know, we really don't think that you're fit for the public. And, you know, if, could you imagine if we did that with our Navy SEALs or our special operations people that we've trained them so well and we put them in this type of behavior to react in certain instances so much that they can't be with the public. And that's, that's the way I look at Rosso. And that's what Project Canine Hero is all about, you know, making sure that they got a home to go to. And, you know, Rosso, uh, we worked with the VFW. He's the first recipient of their award, which is uh, Red Friday. Uh, remember every dog deployed that we have with them uh, to... Uh, salute every dog that served overseas and we have a certificate and he was the very first recipient of that national award so you know we can be more proud of him and you know today i thought it'd be a good day to bring him in because he hasn't he doesn't get out of the rehab rehoming facility too much and it's a it's great for him to get out here and, and be a part of the show today so what is like a dog like him what does he do out in the field is he sniffing bombs is he looking for for people who look suspicious is he just there to intimidate people um i saw i, I saw a picture on on Twitter the other day, there was a dog just jumping out of a helicopter. Oh, all jump, all above there, You know, he did helicopter work. Uh, he did force protection at a, a, it's Fairchild Air Force Base, Spokane, Washington. It's a major Air Force base. They have the uh, SEER school there. Um, and, you know, all of the above. He's to intimidate people. He's to search people at the gate uh, for explosives coming into the facility. Uh, his uh, over 10 Secret Service missions where he protected the presidents, he might, uh, he might be in a Trump Tower protecting the, uh, the first lady or, the or, or their, their children, or he might be um, uh, attached to the Secret Service if the president was coming to, let's say, Nashville or, or Chattanooga, you know what I mean, to, to sweep buildings. So 
He's done a lot of missions like that, you know, whether it be finding bombs or protecting people. So, again, that's what most of the dogs in our program or Project Canine Hero do. We're at 216 dogs now. We just put number 216th in this week. Canine Dennis from Phoenix PD got shot in the line of duty two years ago. Once again, a hero who still has shrapnel in his body that handler's responsible for his medical care. Uh, he has an owner. Rosso found himself without an owner. He still has his owner, but you don't, we don't know what those medical costs are going to be for the next remainder of his life. And our organization is there to make sure that they're taken care of at 100%. How, how do you vet owners for dogs like these? I mean, I imagine he needs a de- I mean, he's older now, but I imagine he's a decent amount of stimulation. You're talking about dogs that are jumping out of like uh, helicopters and yeah, Blackhawks and stuff. Yeah, so we have a pretty in-depth application process on our website at projectk9hero.org. And to be honest, we have about five, over 500 applications. Only less than 1% of the public's really equipped to handle a military working dog like Rosso. One of the reasons we haven't adopted Rosso out, because he can get himself in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. We came here today, we're very careful with him, make sure he's not around other people. You know, I don't want to put him in a position where he can get himself in trouble. Uh, you know, he's, he's got himself in the trouble of past, but we got his records. He's over 14 unwarranted bites during his career. This is why they deemed him unadoptable. This is why they uh, recognized, uh, re- recommended to be euthanized, uh, uh, unless there was an organization like ours at Project K9 Hero that can handle it. And so for me as the founder and CEO, it's my responsibility to make sure we don't let him get in trouble. And I don't want to adopt him out and find out that he had to get put down later because he bit a neighbor's child because they wound up in the backyard when they weren't supposed to. Because Russell, Russell sees black and white. He, yeah. he, he doesn't, he's not like your normal, uh, um, he sees threats and he reacts. And that's, that's how he is. Yeah, he's not Clifford, the the big red dog. But you did mention Nashville, and you do have something going on there. Very topical. It's pause for performers. I think we have a flyer on this. What's happening down in Nashville? Yeah, absolutely. So this is our big concert coming up. It's next Thursday. It's performers for pause. It's going to be at the Nashville Palace Thursday night, January 26, 6 p.m. We've got a great lineup. Uh, Patriotic artists like Daryl Worley, Jana Kramer, Keith Anderson, Jared Neiman. It's hosted by Danielle Peck who also is a host on SiriusXM and uh, Y2 Country. Uh, and the National Palace has been great. We have a great group of sponsors. Some of them are in the trucking industry. Our title sponsor is uh, Daimler Truck Financial. Oh, I know they're a commercial vendor uh, or vehicle uh, uh, leading in uh, you know, lending for over 40 years for commercial vehicles. They do great. So they're our title sponsor. We're so honored to have Daimler Truck Financial there. One of our gold sponsors is uh, True North Companies. Also involved in the trucking industry. They're a gold sponsor, and they've been generous to do that. And uh, we have Velocity Vehicle Group, uh, one of our silver sponsors. So, you know, one of the great things to be about on your show today is talk about how these three companies I just mentioned, not only supporting our nonprofit organization, Dogs Like Rosso, but they're supporting our concert in Nashville performance for pause. we still got some tickets available, some sponsorships and tables available. It will sell out by next week. Um, you can find them at projectk9hero.org. Right at the top of our website, we have a link there uh, on Instagram. It's right in our bio on Project Canine Hero. And we really, there's going to be heroes there. Uh, Rasa won't be there because he's not real great with the public. <laughs> but we're going to have the world-famous Canine Mattis. And Mattis has over uh, 5 million followers on TikTok and all kinds of things. And Mattis is down from Alpharetta PD. He'll be there, Canine UB, Canine Grim, military working dog Umbro, another military working dog like Rasa that re- rehomed from Colorado Springs Peterson Air Force Base. Um, we'll have K9 Chief there, and um, and K9 TT Toronto out of uh, Indianapolis Airport. So a good group of our dogs, people can come get pictures with. Great group of sponsors like Diamond Truck Financial, um, like True North Companies, like Velocity Vehicle Group, and uh, and many more. 
and uh, we can be more proud. Of it. It's it's an annual event, and and if you look at some of the uh, artists we have, go to our website, check it out, or if you see the post we put up today on our social media at Project Canine Hero, you'll see that we've just added a few more, and uh, we've got ten total acts in the in the beginning. We got three acts opening up at the five to six hour, and we got uh, a closing uh, from ten. PM to 2 AM. So it's going to go a long time. Silent auction, raffles, all kinds of stuff with our partners over at Leaving Legacies Foundation. So I couldn't be more proud of it, man. And, and, and I'd extend the offer for you guys to come up and check it out too. If you can make it up there, I think it'd be something you'd really enjoy. Well, it looks like you've put together a really awesome event. Um, at this upcoming conference manifest, they do have a puppy lounge. I would not recommend putting Roscoe in there. That might be, that might yeah. be bad for, for uh, the wrong person and Blythe, who will definitely be over there. But I think this is, I think it's really cool. Those of you out there, go and get tickets. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm considering maybe going down there. I got to check my calendar myself. Um, but if people want to support you, they can't come, but they want to support the organization. They want, to, they want to be an adopter of the dog. They know somebody who does, or maybe they're in trucking and they want to sponsor. Where do I send them to? Yes, yeah, so to projectk9hero.org. We have a uh, contact us on there, and we can give you all the information. We, we get a lot of great emails. Uh, we, we're really proud to be involved in the trucking industry. You know, I came on the show last year uh, to have Diamond Truck Financial, you know, companies like True North, uh, companies like Velocity Vehicle Group, and you know, you know, I look at the trucking industry as a very patriotic, it's very American, very patriotic, very uh, with our law enforcement, with our military, and with our dogs. And that's what Project Canine Hero is all about. You know, we're an organization that supports military law enforcement and, and heroic dogs like Rosso and all the other 216 members that we've had. So uh, it's an honor to be a part of the trucking industry and have the sponsors that we do that really care about the welfare and the afterlife and the care of our nation's retired heroes. Jason, you couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. A little cowbell for you guys. Don't want to don't disturb him too much. But thank you so much for coming down. Good luck with your event. And I, you're doing Lord's work over there. I appreciate everything you're doing for these dogs who have served this country so hard. Thank you so much. And uh, again, you know, it's an honor for me. ProjectK9Hero.org. If you can't donate, all we ask is we share. And, you know, I really help uh, these heroes as an organization make sure they got a second chance. You look at Rosso. Two years ago, he, he wasn't supposed to be here, but here he is today, chewing on his Kong, happy as can be. And uh, by supporting Project Keenan Hero, you're helping uh, protect those who protected us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you to both of you. Take care, gentlemen. Good guys over there. Go down to Nashville. Go check that out or help out Project Canine Hero. But it's Friday, so we got to hit a little good news, bad news. <laughs> All right. How about we start with a little bad news for you, right? Bad news. You are stuck. <laughs> Batter, bad news. You just made it worse. Look at the predicament this guy got himself in. No, not the picture. Do we edit the video of the guy stuck? You know what? Well, they're getting that system rebooted. Oh, they do have that. All right. <laughs> okay. We can go back. You guys, take that down. I'll tell them what's coming up on Monday. You tell me in my ear when this is when number one's ready to go. Okay. All right. Coming up Monday on the show, I'm really excited because we will work out some of these bugs. We will reboot the computer. And we got um, Lorianne LaRocco, senior editor of guests over at CNBC. We have Andrew Salazar, COO at Patriot Freight Group. We got Scott Cornell, national practice lead for transportation. Crime death specialist at Travelers. And Chris Mayberry over at Echo Global Logistics. All right, let's redo this. Bad news, you're stuck.
any any manager, any manager can empathize with that one. I don't know. He might have needed some kitty litter to throw some boards down. But yeah, rolled right through. Talk this one. So Pepsi's Pepsi Tesla's te- Tesla semi in the beginning of December, right? Pepsi te- uh, Frito Lay. They got all these semis from uh, well, not all these. I think they only got like four of them. Uh, ultimately, they're supposed to get twelve, and I think beyond that, they're supposed to get a hundred. It's a huge deal with California. But a lot of things have been happening with these Tesla semis, as we can see here. Just yesterday, another Tesla semi broke down. Um, Silent Alert, who took this picture, he said there's a fine line between the balance of sustainability and reliability. Fleets can't depend on units that break down. Um, You know, fair enough. Here's another one that broke down a couple weeks ago. And there's a third one as well. So three of these have broken down since they've been delivered. It's about 75% of the delivered fleet. If they're different ones, I mean, it might be the same problematic Frito-Lay one. I am not sure. Chad Crosby on LinkedIn is like, why is this even being mentioned? It's how is this notable? If it was a Kenworth? Well, yeah, 75% of a brand new technology Kenworth broke down. It would be pretty notable. Now, we're running short on time, but I've got a great video here from an old school trucker about why he trucks. So let's just go straight over to the old school trucker and let's find out why he likes it. Like you could be driving a nice, comfortable, automatic truck right now. You can drive whatever you want. Why do you choose to drive an old truck like this? Um, I think probably because I'm in trucking because of my love for it. I mean, there's a million things all of us could do for a living. I know how to do other things, but this is what makes me happy. And new trucks really don't have much of a soul. We have some new trucks, and they don't excite me to to drive them. They're comfortable for the guys, but I would rather suffer. And uh, I need to feel, I'm a gearhead, you know, so it's. I want to be connected mechanically to the truck. You know, you want to feel it. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's kind of more of my style. The new stuff, it's nice, I can appreciate it, and we're glad to have it, but... It, I mean, if you don't have to fiddle with a window crank or jiggle something or... We'll have a draft coming through the door. Oh, there's drafts like right now, you know? <laughs> you can spend endless money restoring something and it's still windy in here. I, I like the vibe like of the... tracing squeaks. Yeah, it's, it's endless. Yeah. Like wiring and... Yeah, but it's, quite, it's just what you do, you know? But you love it. I absolutely love it, yeah. This is where you feel the most alive, I bet, coming down the road. Yeah, I think like the times you feel the most alive is... In the morning, like the sound of an old caterpillar or a worn out coming, starting and filling the yard with smoke. Yeah. I mean, like anyone that lives for this can tell you, I remember starting a truck at two in the morning, an old cab over I had, pulling out of the driveway, listening to Waylon Jennings. Does it oh, get any yeah. better? There's no, no way that any other career feels that good. No. I don't think plumbers and electricians get up in the yeah. morning and are excited <laughs> like we are, you know? Well said, I would agree. You forget about all the bad stuff when you have little moments of good stuff. Love it, man. Love hearing from, from those truckers there. I mean, one perspective to keep in mind when you're designing a truck and talking to truck drivers is that to a lot of them, it's more the profession. A lot of them, it's being out there on the road and it's feeling their machine. Bog B, thank you so much for uh, posting that clip. I thought it was great to hear from that driver. Meantime, find me on Twitter, add to me to dinner, subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, download the Freight Waves app, and don't be a stranger.